Hello and welcome to Don't Shoot the Deputies, a podcast run by two deputy heads living on opposite sides of the country. But we're not on opposite sides of the country because this Christmas I have taken a visit down to, well, initially to Essex to see my family, and I've done a little sweeping tour down into Kent to see my good friend Steve. Steve, so lovely to see you. Hello, Russell, and hello everyone that is listening. Yes, we're in the same room on the podcast for the first time since its initiation. Did we do one? I feel like we did one a couple of years ago when I came down to visit you at your old house in Kent, and I think we might have done... a memorable one. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think it was a big episode, so this one's going to be better. Of course. But yeah, we're sat out, Steve and his beautiful new home has got a a little outhouse, well it's not little, it's huge, uh, building that they've built for a lot of the work that he and his uh, partner Laura do out here, and we're sat in his lovely little podcasting room in person producing an episode and that's a real treat for us uh we had a little evening out in canterbury yesterday didn't we steve and we're we both did. still standing we are we had a lot of snacks to soak away the the dredges that we were pouring down our throat but we had a lovely evening reminiscing in canterbury yeah so steve and i both did our pgc's in canterbury not at the same time but it's lovely to revisit that old sort of uni city try and remember old pubs that you've been to many years ago revisiting them with many more wrinkles feeling very old but mainly i think what we realize is that we now eat more than we drink and <laughs> the snack game was pretty pretty good in, in all the pubs of uh, canterbury so yeah it, lovely to catch up and to um see someone that you've not seen in such a long time and it just makes me think as we approach this christmas you know i've been watching teacher social media and how many of you are sadly posting sort of you know, positive lateral flow results and not being able to do some of those normal things so we're really grateful that somehow we've scraped through and i've managed this visit uh, we've both been testing daily before this uh visit to make sure it could go ahead and that um we could see each other safely so yeah we've, we've been a bit lucky Stephen, in that respect yeah and what we found last night is it's very easy to socially distance yourself when you're one of the very few in a pub wasn't it last night yeah we were talking to a barman who did acknowledge that at the moment with the the booming cases that business is not quite where it should be at this time of Christmas and when the students have gone home in a very student heavy city um, it just enabled us to have quite a nice chilled evening and like we say reminisce about the good times when we were 12 years younger um, (laughs) and now what we can reflect on for the past 12 months which has been an incredibly interesting journey for all of us in education yeah, and the bit that Steve's uh, failing to acknowledge here is that we played pool and I won, <laughs> I won 4-2 on games. And that that really hurts, Steve, that that is being yeah. publicised now because we're both fiercely competitive people. <laughs> um, so what we thought we'd do with this little catch-up episode is, is, is no structure at all, just a bit of a chat and a bit of a reflection, really, on the year we've all had. Because, you know, I said to Steve last night when we were playing pool, I just... I feel mentally exhausted from the kind of craziness of the last couple of years. And it's like none of us have really had the time to process all the different things we've been through, the constant change. And as Steve said, we're sort of right before Christmas wondering what could come next and what new announcements could come and constantly anticipating that next change. So to stop and pause for a moment and take stock and to put everything into perspective, we thought might be a nice way to us for us to end the year and hopefully for, for our listeners to do the same. So let's start off with a positive, Steve. If you were to pick out some highlights this year, either for us and the 
the work we do together or in your personal life or whatever what what would stand out as some positive moments for you i think we can go all the way back to around february march time for me when when we first opened those gates after the lockdown that happened straight after christmas and it was seeing every child in our school community come back together Mm. to smile to feel normal and do you know what the normality has been even though it wasn't full-on normality so Mm. the the loss of bubbles was no loss to anyone really everyone loved that and it was just to feel like we could run as a school again and even i think back and you know what i think when did i last actually have a break probably february half term for that one week felt a little bit more like a break that we had because easter was always busy but there's a lot of positive to be taken from it and i do think personally i relocated i've had a lot on my plate at the this end of um, my life but when i think back into how school was when it first reopened up after a bit of a surprise one in uh, about a year ago now when boris johnson announced that we was going to another lockdown and the impacts of that one because it was winter it was really miserable yeah it was quite nice to just see the sun and the spring arrive and it just felt like a bit of a new beginning for everyone and and to see children that we hadn't seen just before Christmas um, come back and, and kind of flourish in a way. And I know for you, Russell, it must have been amazing this Christmas as well to see children singing together, little things. Yeah, well, as you were speaking then, I was thinking about the fact that there's been a real tension for all leaders over the last couple of years of trying to measure the, the health risks, but also mm. the mental health risks of all the precautions we've got in place and, and and that kind of sliding scale of risk management of when can I loosen up a bit or when can we try a singing assembly and what struck me following uh, so many teachers on Twitter is how different all our experiences have been and you know I don't think my school has either had it extremely easy or extremely hard I think we're one of those somewhere in the middle schools where in October we had a real flurry of cases and it was pretty stressful and you know you were having to rain things back in that you thought you could do this year that you couldn't and then suddenly you know we were blessed with sort of six weeks up to Christmas that was relatively quiet and a little handful of cases here and there whereas I know other schools up and down the country were absolutely you know decimated Mm. by Covid cases and staffing issues so we had a really lucky patch and what that meant was we were able to do a few things um, like some singing like you say we did a little outdoor carol concert that I imagine for some people listening in their context wouldn't have even been feasible you know would have been you know considered downright irresponsible but in our context it worked it was outside and it was beautiful and Mm. I find that really hard as a leader at the moment because I'm conscious that experiences like that for our young people are magic and that it's so uh, key to their personal development and their confidence and their ability to express themselves so that would be a real highlight for me is when we have been able to ease a restriction we've been able to give children some normal experiences again because I think you know kids do bounce back but I think they have been asked to do a lot you know or to lose a lot and I think it's so easy to forget how that early development of social skills and interaction and play and it it's everything for a young person and we've asked a lot of them to protect our NHS and to keep things going. So yeah, I, my, my highlights would definitely be when, like you said, children were either able to return, we were able to ease a restriction, we were able to do something that we hadn't done for a long time. And I think, I don't know about you, but 
and what you've heard from, from colleagues and previous colleagues, but we didn't know how badly academically some children would have been hit by mm-hmm. a pandemic. And in some cases, it was much tougher than we thought. So we found that the lower end of the school, sort of year two, year three, where you hit some really big milestones, those kids have really struggled. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it reminds me of, do you remember the graphic we shared um, about the loss of learning oh, yes. two years? Yeah. But you're so right. It was the younger years don't appreciate how much the social interaction, the security of school, the routine of school, how that all builds for them into being able to learn. And when that was taken away with the home learning, it really did affect the learning compared to your five and sixes. And sure, there's going to be cases where you can know that child really suffered. There will always be that. But as a, a collective, the lower down the school, we definitely found I think for for my school personally during the home learning, year three and four are actually amazing. Um, but you're right, the one and two, and what we were asking of them, and I know there are elements like Oak Academy out there, etc. But for those younger children, you can't beat being in a classroom with your teacher, no. with your friends, and learning together. And you can't ask them to sit on the computer all day. No. Uh, so it's a real struggle. And but it just reminds me actually when you were talking, and I was thinking how well the teaching community have done through this because yeah. I think back to when we first had a case in our school there was panic there was a, a what what do we do who do we phone how do we tell the parents There's now the teaching community has come so far in a pandemic to keep the teaching going to keep the, the school going and and still with these on a daily basis and just not sweat about it anymore and that's only because as a community, whether you're in your school or, or wired up through social media, it's been amazing. The help and the support that everyone's given each other has gone so far that we've all had dark moments during this pandemic. We've all found it tired. We've um, found it stressful. But we couldn't do it without everybody. Mm. And that's why when I look at the Facebook group and, and you look at Twitter and Instagram, the, the help that's there and the encouragement and the support we all know we're going through very similar in different circumstances and this storm would always be different for everyone but what I've seen on a small scale within our, our school and the trust and, and then wider that determination, that solidness that we've all got even in the t- most tiring times and by the end of this Christmas everyone was shattered but everyone has also pulled together and I can't respect anyone enough for that because Mm. it's been such a journey. It still is a journey, but wow, how far we've come. If we look back, I think everyone will actually be really proud of their own efforts and the efforts of everyone around them. Definitely. I think we're so much stronger than we give ourselves credit for. And if if at the start of it all, someone um, mapped out ahead of us what our lives were going to be like for the next two years we'd have been so overwhelmed by the thought of it we wouldn't have mm. we wouldn't have imagined we could cope but you're right we've had to adapt constantly and that's caused a real strain for, for many people but yeah from the two of us we want to say how proud we are to belong to a profession that has kept going that has pulled together and we are stronger when we're together and it's, it's tempting on social media and particularly twitter can be a bit like this to to <laughs> find reasons to argue and bicker and fight but we are so much better as a united front and uh, encouraging and supporting each other along the way and 
we really hope that some of the work we've done has encouraged people to keep going because we've been lucky in our careers to have people that have championed us, that have encouraged us, given us words of advice when we found things hard. So we try and do that now for you, whether that be through the podcast, the Facebook page, you know, our Twitter account and Instagram and so on. Uh, so yeah, we really hope that that's given you a bit of strength at times. And we also recognise that everyone's school's different. You know, Steve, I belong to a school community where teamwork is just beautiful, you know, where my mm-hmm. colleagues are amazing. I really, really cannot fault them whatsoever. They've adapted and pulled together through the whole thing. But we know we have members of our Facebook group that maybe do still belong to a slightly toxic school environment mm-hmm. where people haven't thought about their well-being or where the emotional strain of what they've been asked to do hasn't been considered and uh, yeah definitely say to those people do reach out to the to us via social media and others like us because you're not alone and there's always someone out there that can give some advice but you can feel very trapped in a in a negative bubble can't you in a school Mm, absolutely and that was probably the downside of being in a pandemic with bubbles yeah you felt even more isolated than you ever have done and if things aren't going how they should be in challenging times and you would naturally feel more more um i say defeated to a point but do reach out to people because honestly for this this last 12 months of the previous 12 months the collective effort and support of everybody in teaching makes it that more bearable and having an ear to talk to is so important um, and we're looking ahead to the future where we could have more restrictions we could have a lockdown but internationally as well, we've got teachers from Australia, uh, we've got teachers from all around the globe who can share their own experiences and actually when you put it all together, you can piece together a jigsaw of support and of methodologies of how you can get through it and how yeah. you can really, it's not a survival anymore, it's a way that we're going through and we're actually coming out the other end gradually um, and we will get there and we've got to cherish the good moments that are going on in school because there are still some wonderful, wonderful experiences. And that's because of the teaching community, that every stakeholder who works together to make this education system what it is for the children. You can't do that single-handedly or in a little cluster. You've got to really pull together to see that through and seize the opportunities and make that one little smile on a child's face go a long way. Mm. Uh, and we multiply that by 400 and you've had a brilliant day. Absolutely. Hey, Steve, here's a question for you. So what have you learned about yourself in the last year? Because you can ask me the same in a minute, because I've been thinking <laughs> about it. But I feel like sometimes, call it a crisis, a, a challenging scenario, whatever, it, you you find yourself looking inwards a bit and you, you learn about yourself more sometimes that's good stuff sometimes that's bad stuff but you, you dig deep and you you realize things about yourself that perhaps you didn't before have you had any moments like that in the last year or two yeah being on zoom i noticed that if you have it on mirror mode your face looks completely different <laughs> <laughs> but like, no, i think an inner resilience and actually being reflective i've always thought i'm a people person for sure mm. um but there's always that little bit. The small conversations go a heck of a long way, actually. Right. And acknowledging how every person in a building plays a little role every day in making sure that it runs like clockwork. And that goes down to, we have uh, the school, um, we had outsourced catering and we had outsourced cleaning, but 
those people are so vital in a machine that makes it tick that actually I noticed that just making sure I have the, the time and the energy and the effort, even when I'm feeling really drained, to go around and thank people for what they've done. And I've noticed that social media actually can be vitally positive. It's not, I know there's can be some hoo-ha on there, but actually as a teacher, when I look back to five years ago and 10 years ago, probably didn't appreciate the impact it can have. And we've spoken to some wonderful people this year. Yeah. Um, and CPD, that's the other thing that I've always thought, it never stops. It really doesn't stop. And actually, we've had some wonderful CPD through the podcast. And and I think if I had to learn anything more, is that I'm, I want to be a lifelong learner myself. Right. I want to be able to use that to instill confidence in others and, and just grow as a leader. I don't ever want to be a sale leader. I yeah. want to be a visible leader, uh, a really... Um, working leader who teaches I, I love I've noticed I've got a massive passion for teaching for teaching one-to-one small groups anything and I never want that to go away um, the pandemic's brought that home closer when you can't go into other bubbles yeah <laughs> you start to see what you miss yeah and I think interesting. actually come out the other side you think oh get across the whole school and that's a privilege as a leader to be able to go across the whole school but work with the teachers and work with the children and really cherish the moments you teach children because that's what we're all in it for, to help children learn and educate themselves. What about you? That's a great that's a great answer. Uh, before I talk about me, I'd say that a real common strand in everything you talked about there was a sense of connection. Yeah. You know, you talked about mm. the team and how everyone is needed. You talked about myth, the value of a little conversation that someone's bothered to have with you or a text or a call and the social media and stuff and I, I really did that resonates with me that we think that we can because we're quite an individualistic society we can manage like that mm. and I think that's hit home for me as well because I can be one of those people that quite enjoy my own company you know I do yeah. I, we were saying this morning weren't we uh, before we hit record I love my commute to work when I've got 30 minutes peace and quiet on my own but equally I thrive off of the little chats in the corridor and mm. someone dropping me a text and our chats and I do need that that gives you a sense of groundedness and I think we've realized that when we've got too much time alone to think and we overthink and as a profession I think we're expert overthinkers and overanalyzers it's quite dangerous when that's unchecked because you start to believe your thinking to be true and some of that insecure thinking is not always very healthy. Mm-hmm. And that would bring me on to my answer to your question about what I've learned about myself. You know, regular listeners to the podcast will know that we're fascinated by well-being. We're fascinated by what we refer to as this inside-out understanding of well-being that if, if that means nothing to you, listen back to some of our episodes with uh, Liz Scott and Stu Newbury where we talk about that. But the premise of that is that we, our experience of the world is seen through the lens of our thinking. And I don't think anyone can argue with that. It's a, when, you, when you consider that, it seems so obvious, um, which is why the same thing can be happening two days in a row and it looks completely different because of just where my head's at, where my thinking is. And when I've got insecure thinking or um, exhausted thinking, the world appears frightening, it appears uh, overwhelming, intimidating, yet... I can see a challenge through fresh eyes or through settled thinking. I'm like, I can handle this. This is fine. Mm. So I think what the pandemic showed me is I've, I've slipped into insecure thinking probably more frequently, 
but I know what's happening. Where in the past, I would have believed that thinking to be true and that I needed to take the bait of my thinking and I'd get down really quickly and I'd let that spiral and then I'd throw lots of other emotions on top of that innocently. I, you know, no one does it intentionally and that would lead to anxiety, which in the past I used to experience and I don't really now. So for me, I've learned that circumstances are always going to go up and down and I can't wait for the circumstances to get better before I let myself to feel contentment. Yeah. And I think that's been a big learning curve is, you know, we all imagined when the pandemic kicked off, well, this is a three month timeline or a two month timeline or a four month timeline, or maybe us naive people did. And when it's over, I'll be okay. <laughs> so I've just got to get through it and then I'll be okay. Well, what happens when that's still going after two years? Mm. Am I still not giving myself permission to be okay mentally? And I think for me, mental health wise, I've kind of gone, I have a right to feel contentment and peace of mind, even amidst, even amidst the storm. And I think I, I've realised about myself, but not just about myself, I've seen it in you, I've seen it in friends, I've seen it in colleagues, that we're all, we've all got this inner resilience, this calm inner voice that, you know, Liz and Stu um, call it their inner compass, that bit that guides you through, um, even when life's chaotic. And I think that would be a message that I would definitely encourage people to think about in the year ahead because speculation will continue, change will continue, rubbish governments will continue, <laughs> uh, 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 offset will continue. All these yeah. things are going to still be there. And if you say to yourself, I'm not allowed to feel okay until those things are gone, I'm afraid you're going to have a life half lived because those things or many of those things are still going to be around. And there has to come a point at which you say, I deserve to feel contentment and peace of mind and I can't, make my contentment reliant on stuff that's out of my control and out of out of my remit to affect in any way. So coming back to what you said, Steve, actually refocusing on the things that really matter to you and that um, you can influence and thinking in teaching, that's the children, isn't it? And I just, when I, when I start to feel myself feeling a bit low and I go into school and some year two runs up to me and hugs me and says some lovely thing, I just think this, this is what it's about is human connection making someone's life better that hasn't stopped because of a pandemic so no. yeah that, 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 that'd be my thinking hey so you talked about um we talked to some brilliant guests this year mm. I, I i know people must get a bit sick of us doing this because we do this every couple of months <laughs> but i love a stat because we're both data nerds and you know i'm looking at a graph on my phone now that had us you know about 600 listens in 2018 just shy of 4,000 in 2019, 18,000 in 2020. And this year, we've got a, a, about a week left. We're recording this just before Christmas. And we've got 57,000 listens this year and a total of almost 80,000 listens to our podcast now. And I'm blown away that you guys actually think to log on and listen to our drivel and that you connect to that and it means something to you and it, it in some way enhances your life. Does that still just blow your mind, David? Yeah, because we don't do it for any other reason apart from the passion of A, talking to absolutely incredible guests, and B, just being a bit of a support network for people. So the fact that we have a community that wish to listen in their spare time, you can't appreciate that anymore because it's amazing. And we've, we're so grateful for the support. We love the 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 conversations we have with people who do yeah. listen to it as well and it's just something it's another piece of cpd in your own time that might just trigger a nice snowball effect for anyone and we're, we're blown away like you say because 
the support that we have for it just drives us on even more to, to be looking for the right guests at the right time to, to help us through whatever we're going through or inspire us with yeah. other ideas. Well, and Steve, you talked earlier about you've come to value the role of CPD more mm. in your life. And it's been a lovely bit of escapism, hasn't it? Uh, you you need something to occupy your mind that isn't about the pandemic. So yeah. actually, I've really enjoyed, I always enjoy the episodes about things like wellbeing, but I've equally really enjoyed the episodes about things like phonics or maths or history because I'm absorbed into that world for 45 minutes with an expert who's lovely to talk to. Um, I, I'm just looking down some of our top tracks over the last 12 months and how privileged have we been? You know, I often say to people, these are people in the past. You'd have to go to a big expensive conference <laughs> to see. And I got them one-on-one or two-on-one for, yeah. for an hour and they were just generous and happy to give us their time. And, their and doesn't that reflect what community we're in? Though? Amazing. The fact that people will give up their time for free and just have a chat to to help people and that is what we live for just helping each other yeah and when I think I mean Mary Myatt was a huge she's like a goddess <laughs> her podcast was simply amazing do you know why that resonated with people so if uh, I imagine most of our regular listeners listen to that one because it's our second most listened to all time it's called The Stuff That Matters with Mary Myatt uh, about 3,600 listens now I think it was May time we spoke to Mary and she it was because it was about the stuff that matters and we were living in this world and we still are where there's so much madness going on around us. We just come out of remote learning, we're back into proper education mode and Mary was going, let's see through all the nonsense of the other mm. stuff that we shouldn't have to do in teaching that has no impact. And I feel like, you know, you've got a profession of people that are not work shy. They work their socks off, but they want to know that what they're doing makes a difference to children. And Mary just yeah. blew us away. She's like, differentiation, marking, It was brutally blunt yeah. and actually 100% accurate. And you, you, I could sit there and talk to Mary, reflect on my own personal situation, and think, you know what? There are, she's right. The stuff that matters is all that matters. Yeah. We don't need to be doing certain aspects that people may be doing. It's not to be lazier with our work because like you said we are the most hard working well, profession ever my, my, I, I think that's when we were full time class based yep. and I think the hours my teaching team work are probably worse than what I did or, or, equal, or equal to at least but I like to think it's all stuff that makes a difference and they'll yeah. soon tell me if it doesn't where we would spend hours over things that I don't think made any difference to children. Yeah. So it's not stop being a hard-working profession. It always will be, and it'll always be a profession where the list is endless <laughs> and there's always more you could do, and that, that that's tough. You have to kind of set yourself some boundaries with that because there is no end to the workload. But yeah. we, we, we really do, well, in my school now, we, our policies and things are driven to what is going to make an impact. It's more evidence-based and so on. Um, you mentioned Mary. There's only one guest that sits above her in her list. Do you know who that is? <laughs> I do, I do. And do you know what? For someone who's been a key stage two dominated teacher, to have John Walker appear on the podcast, talk all things phonics, and he was a pure joy. And not only that, I think back to John and the knowledge that the, the guy has got and how he went from discussing the the way language is formed. It was yeah. such a pleasure. I, I'm not surprised at all why that is hitting nearly 4,000 listens in the slide. I mean, 
I think it's it's proof that direct instruction, someone explaining something really well. Don't limit teacher talk when you've got John Walker at the front of the classroom. I mean, <laughs> the gut, there's, it's a privilege to listen to an expert yeah. in something that they know really, really well. And uh, my whole, I feel like that's been my biggest learning personally this year is about mm-hmm. phonics. And mm-hmm. you know, as you know, my school bought into Sounds Right, and I'm happy to say I think it's amazing and, and plug it, but. The, the real understanding of how our language system works, how our spelling sy- system works, it just blew my mind. I realised how little I knew and how Same. naive I was to think that phonics was something just key stage one teachers needed to know about. It's ludicrous. And to think that phonics and spelling were somehow different when they're not, is it, you know, it's all the same thing. So that was a great bit of CPD and I encourage people to go back and listen to that and we're really hoping John in the new year is going to come and speak to us about etymology oh. and morphology Stephen so I led a staff meeting talking about etymology and morphology and I the staff were loving it so yeah. I can only imagine that would be hugely popular because actually having that deeper understanding yeah. about language you're right no one Key Stage 1 and EYFS aren't just phonics it goes across the school and it's just an institution in itself. It's why we need to know it. Yeah. And, and you're, I was naive beyond belief. Yeah. Uh, and it really changed my practice. That was CPD in action. I loved it. That's good. We won't have time to reflect on every single episode, but just to highlight some others that are up there. And Sonia. Sonia. Yeah, so we had Sonia Thompson, who's mm. a head teacher in Birmingham, uh, who's really passionate about the topic of disadvantage and and, and improving outcomes and life chances for children, regardless of their background. Really inspirational chat there. And you know, we love the invisible backpack metaphor. You know, yeah. She doesn't have a deficit view of children. She believes that they all bring cultural capital with them to school. That was an inspiring episode. And it, it sits just next to Andrew Percival's episode about long-term learning. And you know, he's probably, I know Andrew's a, a loyal listener to the podcast and will be listening now, but you've been mentioned, Andrew, probably in most of my own podcasts <laughs> because you've had such a, you and Claire yeah. Seeley have had yeah. such an informative effect on Steve and I in terms of our designing of curriculum. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not at all surprised that your episode's done so well, Andrew. So many people wanting to know more about how to design a curriculum for long-term learning. We spoke to people like Christopher Suchy's brilliant book, the book of the year, I would argue, um, The Art and Science of Primary Reading. So many schools, mine included, completely transform our reading strategy based on that. I think I've seen many a photo of that book on Twitter yes. and Facebook. I don't blame anyone. I'd say the most photographed edgy book of 2021. <laughs> so, Steve, ours next year. We'll get, yes. on to, we'll get on to that in a moment. Yeah, we've spoken to Gareth Metcalf about mathematical reasoning, and we're hoping to get him back on to talk about problem solving mm-hmm. soon. Bruno Reddy. Yeah, we talked about Bruno with Bruno Reddy about times table rock stars and numbots. And what I loved about that conversation, we've been chatting through social media with Bruno for a couple of years because um, people that follow us know we like to release Times Table Rockstar's resources and things but we never actually properly talked to him um, face to face and what an amazing guy and how passionate about improving outcomes of, of for, for Matt and what really struck me is what an emotive thing it is for him to really have children believe they could be mathematicians yeah beautiful episode beautiful conversation and, and inspiring the work that he's done as a result of that passion yeah, we did our second part of our gender equality episode with, mm-hmm. with Graham Andre and Nick Ponsford joined us, who's a 
ball of beautiful, <laughs> wonderful amazing. energy who is so passionate about what she does. We had a really interesting episode with Carl Honoré about uh, the slow movement and slowing down. I'd, if if, if oh. well-being's on your mind, I'd have a look at that because um, he, he really had us think about just the way we race through life and maybe don't absorb the, the nourishment of life in, in, in the chaos of busyness. And, and someone who's yeah. not directly within the education sector. Yeah. He is spot on. Yeah, on and the money. You can learn so much about how we need to make tiny tweaks to our sector to make a massive difference. Yeah. Uh, we. Uh, I, I think I had the joy, because Steve, I think your little one was poorly blessed. I spoke to Daisy Christodoulou about comparative judgment. That was great, if that's mm. something you're interested in. We did that lovely episode with Jane Clapp about, uh, uh, called it Teach Like a Physio, because she had been a physio in her previous career. What a lovely person Jane is. And how inspiring is her passion for inclusivity, uh, quality first teachings, um, same mm. opportunities for all children. That was a lovely chat, wasn't it? Lovely one, actually. Someone who has just got it right in the classroom and just sharing her own experiences to to give us tips and tricks and how we can enhance our teaching. And speaking yeah, of people, lovely person, lovely, person, lovely teacher and, and an inspirational um, sort of life story as well. Mm. We spoke to Shannon and, and Neil recently, one of the power couple. one of the power <laughs> couples of education, along with the answers and other people. But um, lovely chat with them and no threads in that at all. That was a bit of a, a, a random conversation we did. Slap variation. We so did, important. Yeah, lovely mm. chat and just genuine people. Yeah. We had that lovely episode with Gareth Morwood about inclusive practice. Gareth has to be the kindest person on t- Twitter. Yeah. Love, love to you, Gareth. Oh, and recently, our lovely... Say, not forgetting Stu. Stu uh, Tiffany, and we spoke to him about history, and, you know, no no under understatement to say that that was the best history CPD the both of us have ever had, really. So there are other episodes that have been well listened to that were perhaps from the year before, but we just really want to thank every guest we spoke to. Apologise if we missed anyone there, but you've made our year and you've given us the most wonderful distraction from uh, the, the slightly nutty circumstances going on around us constantly and have, have made us see that we can keep learning and keep enjoying this um, job. And, yeah. and like you say, Steve, being lifelong learners, we're not leaders that want to sit still and, and suddenly think we've nailed it all. You never, ever do, do you? No, and we every guest who we've had in 2021 has welcomed our inquiries with open arms been so forthcoming and it is an honour and a privilege to be able to talk to people and to see how everyone shares this uh, mentality of let's just share great practice and great outcomes because we all want the same thing and it's that simple we all want the same thing how we get there by talking about it and learning from each other so steve another big thing that happened this year is we wrote a book we wrote a book and those of you that listen to the episode an important announcement we'll have heard a bit about that so we won't repeat everything there again but what blows my mind is that book was written on the basis of a bunch of guests previous to all those ones we've just spoken to have been amazing so uh, i really do want to make it clear that any previous guests prior to um, this year could have gone in that book and because this was our first ever offer we felt we needed to pick some really universal themes where some of our really amazing guests in that first year or two of the podcast we spoke about something really curriculum based or really specific about leadership. Don't think that you're uh, not going to be included elsewhere. We're going to be begging you to uh, pop back into the next book or somewhere else. We've got grand ideas if uh, if, if, if this one <laughs> if does all right. So. To be honest, it takes a few of these books to be sold for us to ever even consider writing another one. So let's see. But um, yeah, just a reminder that we're, we're 
bring the book out in sort of March, April time. There has been a slight title change, we believe, because um, you know the Don't Shoot the Deputies kind of name and brand. We recognise perhaps there are some parts of the world, America and whatnot, where there's a sensitivity around phrases like shoot. And um, we think we're going to adapt the book title slightly to be something along the lines of uh, talking teaching with the dynamic deputies, uh, inspiring CPD for every teacher. So in essence, the book's exactly the same, just a slight title change. And we're going to have a think whether the podcast maybe goes that way too, but we're going to have a bit of a think about that one. So if in the new year the, the podcast name takes a slight shift, don't panic. We're still here, still doing the same thing. Uh, we're still the dynamic deputies. That's what we do. But yeah, Steve, what a crazy thing to sit next to you when I wrote a whole book with you without seeing you once in person for two years. The power of technology just goes a long way. And we spent many a Zoom meeting working together on the book. But what it really gave us was another chance to listen to the podcast. Yeah. And, and how we can listen to it as a listener in a really yeah. odd way. Like, forgetting that we produced it, we got to listen and really take away so many important quotations that will just blow your mind because there were so many. It was such an incredible process to go through to, to pick out the important bits because all of it could have gone in the book. Um, and then we give our reflections as well. And all I want to say is if, uh, if like me, you're indulging during uh, this year to survive and you go have a nice Christmas dinner, maybe don't buy an Easter egg next year, just buy the book. <laughs> great idea, Steve, great idea. Now, you're, you're spot on what you were saying there about um, listening back as a, as a listener because yeah. particularly as the person that does the editing I'm so thinking about sound quality and does it all make sense that I I normally get time to give it one proper listen through normally on my drive on the Monday the weekend after it goes out I enjoy the episode and then that's it sort of in the past almost uh, because we're on that rat race of back to work then there'll be the next guest and I'm not complaining about that it's amazing mm. but I think you know, people have often said with podcasts, I almost need to listen to that again with a pen now. I need to listen yeah. to that another two times with a pen because you don't have time to fully absorb it. And it was a treat going back to episodes from maybe a year to 18 months previous and going, oh yeah, I forgot. About how timeless they actually are. Yes. Uh, when we think about uh, talking to Jazz Amplifar, Everyday Heroes, that was in the midst of the pandemic. and yeah, felt first lockdown. Yeah, first lockdown. So it felt really appropriate right then, but... That's appropriate whenever. Let's face it, Jazz has been talking about this pre-pandemic uh, mm. as to how important relationships and the human connection is with children within a school. And it's going to be relatable forever. And the fact the book kicks off with that just shows how much of a, a linchpin that is within the teaching world. Yeah, absolutely. So we really appreciate your support with the book and... Uh, encourage other people to have a look at it if you enjoy it um, I'm sure in the new year we will be able to share how you can pre-order it and all that excitement it still seems bonkers to us but we <laughs> will uh, we'll be mentioning it lots I'm sure because we're proud of it and we've worked really hard on it and we think it, it offers a really wonderful introduction to lots of different themes in education uh, that you could read a whole book on so maybe it'll inspire you to want to go and find out some more about some of the themes we uh, discuss in the book and I think they get to know us a bit better in it because of our reflections. Yeah, I think so. I think the reflections are actually a lovely piece where we even ask questions for you and you can answer yourself and reflect on how we maybe have different experiences because everyone is in a different boat, like I said earlier. But hopefully the book goes a long way to just raising a smile, acknowledging some CPD and giving ideas on practice 
overall within the school. Great. Now, Steve, just the final part of our conversation, we put out on social media that we were going to be meeting up and did anyone have any themes that they wanted us to talk about? And we were quite struck, actually, in a, in a slightly worrying way by the, the, the seriousness, actually, of the things that were on people's minds. And, you know, you expect at Christmas people go, oh, just talk about, you know, mention something really lighthearted and funny. And what, what are you having for Christmas dinner? Yeah. And I think what that brought home for us is that the reason we're getting quite serious heavy responses is because it's been a serious heavy time for people and we just want to say we didn't launch into serious discussion well two serious discussions about some of those themes because actually we feel you need some headspace from those things some of those things have been really tough but it did bring home to us that you're you're mentally exhausted many of you listening and you, you need an opportunity to refresh and slow down and uh, recalibrate ahead of the, the the new year would you give anyone any advice going into the new year steve uh, not just about how to kind of cope because coping always worries me as a phrase because it sounds like survival which you were saying we're beyond that now but any words of wisdom in terms of things that you think will support people through the the, the times ahead and more uncertainty it's a great question and and just i think first of all what I learned from Stu and Liz was paper talk and TV talk is actually can be really damaging to you. So let's not assume what's going to happen. Let, let's let, let it ride itself and don't get too caught up in the blue of all of that because actually we're here to have a Christmas now. Before we go back, um, enjoy yourselves, of course, and, and relax. But when we go back, um, it's not a one, one day at a time approach to a degree because you need to enjoy it and I think being really reflective on key moments that have made you feel good in the day is vitally important because when the whole experience of teaching can be draining we don't give ourselves enough time sometimes to actually look back and see how far we've come sure. how far our children have come um, and then you don't take away the good parts of the job and actually the the fulfilment of progress of children. I know normally in the January to Easter time is when children can boom. They really kick on, yeah. They really kick on. And it's to acknowledge what a good job you're doing as well because it can be painful if we don't. And I think work with the people around you for sure. Make sure everyone is supporting each other and be positive about what's to come because we will get there for definite. Restrictions might not come, they might come, but know that you're experienced with dealing with that now and we all deal with it in different ways but there's a support network out there but i feel like everyone's going quite positive in this new year like 2022 can be what we also make of it for our children at school yeah and despite the externals so really focus on driving through and being positive and just sharing experience with each other what about you yeah i agree with all that it's great advice i think one thing, I put a post similar to this on Facebook recently and it, it had quite a response and I can tell why. I, I said, show yourself the kind of compassion you'd show someone else that was clearly trying their best mm. in difficult mm. circumstances. We're often our own toughest critics, particularly okay. as teachers, because you're conscientious by nature. Show yourself a bit of self-compassion. If you were sat next to you watching the life you're living, the things you're dealing with, the things you're navigating, and some of you that's really full on with COVID and cases in school and so on and those other pressures, what would you be saying to that person? I reckon you'd probably be saying, 
bloody hell, you're doing a good job. Mm. Well done. Well done. It's all right that you're not some outstanding teacher every minute of every day. Gosh, the fact that you just got through today and you kept going and that you made some kids smile today or that you taught that lesson well, you should be really proud of yourself. That's what you'd be saying to someone else or that's what you'd say to a child who was struggling. Extend that same level of compassion to yourself and be a bit kinder because we have this tendency to feel a bit of anxiety about something that we're struggling with. And instead of showing that compassion, we go, we then throw other emotions, guilt, frustration, anger. And I feel like I've had moments this year where I realised that there's a lot of hats I wear in my life. I'm a podcaster with Steve. I'm a friend to Steve. I'm a husband. I'm a uh, father. I'm a deputy head teacher. I'm a friend. I'm a in a football team. I'm in a and all these different hats. And some sometimes the plates drop. Mm. And what you can feel like doing is giving yourself a real beating because you, you've let something drop. Where I found at times where I've just had the humility just to say to that person or oh, I'm struggling a bit this week, Steve. I'm really sorry I haven't done that. Or um, I can't make football this week because this is just gone. I'm sorry to let you down. People are generally amazing and are like, don't worry about it. Don't stress. And that happened with the podcast a couple of times where we had to cancel things yeah. or didn't manage to edit it on the weekend we thought we were going to. It's like we put that pressure on ourselves worse than anyone else. So I'd, sh- I'd say show a bit more kindness. And I'd really come back to the point Steve said earlier about human connection. Like we are better together reach out jazz amplifier says one of the r's of resilience is reach out um it's often a sign that you're really in touch with your wisdom when you think to reach out and drop someone a text or a call and look out for each other because if you're feeling that way some days your colleagues will be your friends will be and you never know how that one kind text that smile in the corridor that making someone a cup of tea might just make their day might make them feel like they're going to be okay and they're, they're in in it with someone else. That'd be my advice, I reckon. And if not, we've got the retired teachers and the ones that are coming back to us. Supposedly, all the retired teachers are going to come back. I mean, if any of you are, fair play to you. But wow, what an ask. What <laughs> Say a, no more. Uh, hey, we'll wrap it up there. We want to thank you all for your support throughout 2021. Yes. 2022 will be what it will be. There will be challenges. I would hold on to the point we were making earlier, which is that don't reserve peace of mind and contentment just for when circumstances are sane because they're not going to be very often, particularly in the short-term future. Allow yourself to experience that inner peace whenever you need to. It's there. You don't have to go get it. You don't have to search for it. It's, it's part of your default human nature, resilience, wisdom, kindness, compassion. It's all there. And we've seen it loads of times in you, in our colleagues and in each other. So have a Good Christmas if you can, what, what, whatever shape or form that looks. And uh, eat some good food, drink some good drink, and get some sleep. Merry Christmas. Don't shoot the deputy.